0: Welcome to the discussion: Active Analytics for Government and Public Sector, sponsored by Connecticut.
1: Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Nima Negabon, co-founder and chief technical officer at Connecticut, and Jeff Kennedy, federal sales director at Connecticut. And to begin with, we're going to be talking about a lot of issues. But I wanted to start with you know the role of data in the federal government. It's changing a lot. Uh, where are we right now in, in 2020?
2: Yeah, I mean, from from what we see, you know, there's a tremendous realization of, you know, the need to be able to not just, you know, have your kind of classic access to data and classic ability to analyze data, but now be able to consume it in real time and not just, you know, one particular data feed, but all, you know, uh, data uh, feeds that, you know, a government agency might have access to have that access in real time, have that at your fingertips to fuse and correlate insight. Um, and make that easy and scalable for for you know a federal agency to be able to act action on, to be able to drive insight on, and to be able to you know uh, mature their entire organization from. And Jeff,
1: do you want to add anything?
3: Yeah. So we see uh, you know in our government, there's a, a tremendous amount of historical data that's existed. There's a lot of geospatial data as well. Uh, new streams of data and new services are required to meet you know customer and citizen needs. So we see this evolving uh, where you need. Real-time uh, understanding of what's going on, correlate the data, as Neiman said, so we can gain insight, so people can make smart decisions about the information that's in front of them.
1: So you mentioned data that they already have, and I'm sure that that presents a lot of challenges because that's not all formatted formatted in the ways that you necessarily need it. Um, you know, for 2020, it might have been you know, COBOL 1960 or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you know, I'm sure that's one of the challenges. Did you did you want to maybe Talk a little bit about that and, you know, some of the other challenges that you have with data.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> silos are, you know, they're never really gonna go away. I think having the uh, adoption of, a, you know, the kind of a cloud smart initiative across our government kind of helps with uh, loads of data moving into environments to make it easier to, for us to access that. But we're, you know, well-tuned to uh, uh, ingesting all different types of data sites, uh, ingesting different types of data sources, and uh, doing that real-time and parallel some of our early customers, we were ingesting hundreds of different types of data in real time and then being able to do the analysis on that real time as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, part of being that active analytics platform is being able to consume you know, real time data streams um, easily, scalably, right? And then making it very simple for uh, teams to do analysis on those data streams to derive insights, to, to d- drive uh, analytic capability. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, Jeff, you know, there's tons of silos, silos aren't going to go away, but the ability to have a single platform to consume from those silos and correlate is what active analytics is all about. So you're saying active analytics. Can you maybe define that a little bit for the, for the listeners? Sure. So, you know, uh, active analytics is, you know, really taking the notion of, you know, classic analytics, which is traditionally, uh, you know, Batch in nature, so meaning like we'll run our reports once a day. Um, rigid in nature, meaning you know this is the only things we're going to pull out of the data, right? Um, and uh, very uh, what I would say you know limited um, in uh, their fusion capability, right? Meaning um, it's traditionally against one data set, right? And to, to be able to derive from others takes a lot of work for for an organization to to pull that together. We're active. Um, is flexible, right? So you can very easily add you know, new processing uh, capability to an analytic very quickly for your teams, right? It's real time in nature, not batch. So it, the, the, the answers that are coming back are reflective of up to the second data, not 24 hours old or a week old, right? Um, and uh, highly correlative, meaning you know, you're able to consume multi- all those data streams in real time and you know, make correlative insights very easily.
1: So you, I think you've partly answered this, but, you know, why do agencies need to move to that sort of uh, analytic instead of this this rigid one that you were talking about before?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, for, for organizations that have, you know, a, a massive, um, you know, kind of uh, universe of data that, that they have access to and are their organization may be generating themselves, right, they need to have that active analytic capability so that they can get visibility into their organization and the problems that, that they may be facing in real time right and To be able to flexibly ask questions right with whether it's you know an executive or a team of analysts or you know A software developer be able to in you know in at the speed of thought uh, Ask new questions uh, do new types of queries easily um, So that you can a make sure you're making the right decisions, but you know be also uh, inspire creativity and you know uh more efficient, you know, kind of work processes just in your in your day-to-day organizational uh, workflow.
1: And do you guys have any examples of, of maybe how some agencies have used uh, these active analytics to, to help themselves in, you know, compared to the past times when they're just using paper or, you know, other slower, uh, yeah, fancy systems? Um,
2: you know, we have, uh, you know, one example where um, just... Uh, we had a, a customer that was, or you know, organization that was consuming a, a, a data feed of um, basically uh, XY positions, you know, uh, radar positions, right? And for them to generate a heat map of, of that uh, tr- traditionally was something where they could only do, you know, a very certain time segment in a very specific region and it would take them 10 hours, right? We were able to come in. Uh, with the Connecticut platform and give them dynamic capability to select any region, any time range, and generate heat maps under a second, right So at that point the analyst could drill down, they could correlate you know that that space to other data feeds that the that Connecticut was consuming so that they could say, hey this this street corner looks really interesting, right I want to see all the documents that are potentially related to this street corner that have been tagged um, you know uh, with this geospatial location, right so um, instead of having a day-long cycle where someone would look at a picture and say, okay, that you know—that tells me something, I guess, but I, you know, I can't drill down. I can't really um, look at other uh, correlative feeds. Right now, you had a dynamic feedback experience for analysts where they could really experiment, really get creative, and, and really um, get all the value from the, that data feed, but also all the other correlative feeds.
1: Great.
2: Jeff, anything to add on that mm-hmm.
3: I think one thing that's interesting to look at is the different types of use cases that uh, we come across with Connecticut. So with our platform we everything from looking at uh, you know anomaly detection on on data uh, like for cybersecurity or looking at how to optimize things like predictive maintenance on assets or you know route optimization type of schemes. Um, I think the thing that's uh, kind of fascinating is, with all of this extra data, we, uh, we can potentially unlock a whole bunch of new set of ways that you look at the data and the way that decisions are made within organizations that they just didn't have in the past. They were looking backwards, uh, you know, with kind of business intelligence applications that were more historical and trying to predict the future. or we can give you real-time intelligence on data as it's coming into the system and changing.
2: Yeah, and and you know, being able to work with you know different types of data, whether it's you know management data right so if you have assets that are across the globe you know they're generating positions they're they're generating uh you know data constantly and then you have you know historical data sets being able to do fusion of the, that 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 doing that fusion work across those data sets traditionally um has, has been very difficult you know given the the tool sets that are out there with the active analytics platform our whole goal is to make that an effortless process right so that you're getting real-time visibility into you know your global enterprise And you're, you know, exposing uh, to your analyst team, to your developers, the ability to, you know, derive insight capability um, that, you know, traditionally has been a very difficult proposition is now, you know, seamless, intuitive for them. So that ultimately, you know, they're focusing on the real problem at hand, not the technology problem.
1: So the big term right now is artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. machine learning, teaming, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, You know, how does this... Te- techno- technology and mm-hmm. data fit together especially since you know as you said it's not all one big you know uniform type of, of data sure, sure. so how are you getting that to work together
2: right so i mean mm-hmm. your 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 ai platform is only as good as the data that, that you give it right, right? and so um, when it comes to the active analytics platform you know we're we're really driving that stack in a number of ways the first is you know being able to derive you know uh, correlative insights that the, your AI will will score upon right and doing that easily at scale. That's one of the fundamental things that Connecticut does right. Um, so if if you're a data scientist right, you need to be able to comb through you know massive amounts of data. You need to be able to see you know potentially identify those features that you're going to generate a model around. So it's a, it's a it's the most fundamental part of you know kind of the AI workflow at this point because so much of the rest of it has been automated as far as. Uh, training and you know model selection, but that, that first part of you know feature exploration, that is you know the the key the the last remaining you know art form of the data scientist. That's where they really um, you know show off you know their, their capabilities, and that's what make you know Connecticut makes so easy for them. Um, and you know finally being able to take a, a you know once you've really got a model that is working for for your team putting that into production so that you have, you know, a global enterprise depending, you know, upon its scores, you know, its classifications, its predictions. Um, That's again, another place where Kinetica has, you know, really put together a platform that um, can manage that production life cycle for your AI platform um, from end to end because, you know, what we've seen is there's been a tremendous focus on, you know, building, you know, models, you know, in, in the AI workflow. But once you have that asset, there's, there's really not a lot of great options. Um, to take that into production, where you have a platform that's fully supporting it, so that you're, you know, if, if you know, you have an entire global organization depending on it, which you know, that's where we're trending, right? Where you have models that are part of, you know, global decisioning for an enterprise in real time. That's where Kinetica you know, offers a tremendous capability for you know our organization. Um, so, you know, we, we're really playing, you know, pretty critical parts in that AI workflow.
1: Great. And, and so let's say you do get uh, you know your AI workflow going what are the possibilities that you can really bring to your government organization or to your company um, by setting this up the, the correct way
2: sure I mean so it's really about um, you know speed of uh, you know it's about productivity it's about collaboration so um, and it's about um, you know really uh, scalability and stability of, of the final asset that you generate but I mean, on the, on the forefront of the workflow, when you're able to use Kinetica, you're gonna have more productive data scientists, right? Because they're gonna be able to comb through data faster, um, build models faster, deploy models faster, right? But then you're also gonna have um, you know, more efficiencies for the development teams around data scientists because they're gonna be able to deploy models quickly and say, hey, you know, uh, application team A, hey, go ahead and start you know, uh, using this model, it's deployed, ready to go that data scientist can, model, can monitor its behavior, right? It can ensure that everything looks right. And that, you know, those two teams can jointly easily go into production with peace of mind that, hey, this model has all of the management services that a model needs um, to go into production for a global enterprise where you, you have, you know, SLAs where you can have basically no, no, no downtime, right? And so, um, you know, that's one of the key things that Connecticut has been working on is like, you know, a, AI has different needs um, as it relates to going into a, a five nines, no, you know, no downtime production setting, right? Then kind of classic applications uh, do. And so, uh, Kinetica really powers that whole life cycle and, you know, makes your teams more productive, makes make them more creative, right? Because instead of having to worry about, well, how, how are we gonna run this query to look at this feature, right? They can just, at the speed of thought, just run the query and not have to worry about the, the technology. So often we go to teams and they're just they're just you know handstrung by, okay. Well, this is you know this is our idea space. This is as far as we can go because this is all we can process, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, when you take that limitation off of them, then immediately they can not only focus their attention more, but that
1: key space, you know, that, that space of, of things that they can tackle is is much wider. So the Defense Department recently came out with the AI ethics sort of um, uh, guidelines for themselves, and one of the things in there was. Uh, making sure that there wasn't bias within your your data sets. Mm-hmm. When you're looking back at these older data sets, um, you know how are you kind of j- judging any bias mm-hmm. in there? Because maybe something collected in 1980 versus mm-hmm. now, but might have a different bias to yeah. it. Right. So, so Connecticut <coughs> itself doesn't uh,
2: bring in any you know kind of uh, bias decisioning uh, algorithms, but what we do uh, power is we do power those bias decisioning algorithms. So, as a data scientist, if you have um, debiasing filters, you know, Kinetica will be able to run those at scale, you know, if you have hundreds of billions of points from, you know, from the year 1980 till now, right, to, to, uh, to take out that bias via filter, it's actually a lot of, you know, compute work and that's what Kinetica will power. So again, it, it allows, you know, that data scientist to, to make sure that, you know, their, whatever their algorithm is doing, as it relates to de-biasing, is correct and allows them to experiment because you can do, you know, that processing, you know, very quickly, very easily, and, um, you know, you have the flexibility to try out, you know, a number of different pathways.
1: So we, we talked about some of the challenges uh, with data. What are some of the challenges that you're hearing from government, the government side? You know, what are they, what are they saying? Like, uh, like, I don't know if I can bring this, get all this data together, find it, you know? Yeah. What are they saying?
2: Well, I mean, traditionally, you know, when we go customer to customer, you know, what we see is that, you know, there's a burning desire to, you know, get value out of the massive data sets that they have access to. And you know, they've worked through um, you know, a lot of the, you know, the red tape, so to speak, to make sure that they can get access to those feeds, right? And now they're, you know, really looking for that next level insight where it's not just good enough to have you know these fixed siloed pipelines or fixed siloed databases. They want to bring those all together, right? And they want to be able to correlate them. They want to be able to visualize them. So, you know, a lot of federal agencies have a lot of um, location demands, right, where they need to be able to see things on a map, right, and they need to be able to see that at scale. They need to do location analytics at scale. Um, So to make that an easy prospect where, again, back to my example, you have analysts that are just pointing and clicking and, you know, able to see, you know, massive data sets on a map quickly in real time, Uh, that's what Connecticut is all about because, um, you know, that's, that's really where we see the, the market going. You know, Being able to flexibly query huge data sets that are growing, right? Being able to visualize those data sets easily and being able to you know, unlock that, that creative
1: uh, life cycle of your analysts, of your developers, and of your whole organization. Great, well, I think we're gonna take a quick break. My guests today are Nima Negabon, the co-founder and chief technical officer at Kinetica, and Jeff Kennedy, Federal Sales Director at Connecticut. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, on the discussion, Active Analytics for Government and the Public Sector, sponsored by Connecticut on Federal News Network.
0: Federal agencies want to harness data to solve meaningful citizen challenges. This requires a new class of data-driven applications for driving actionable insight, whether it be identifying national security threats in real time, modeling complex disaster risks, or enabling dynamic logistics and supply chains. Kinetica Active Analytics running on NVIDIA GPUs combine streaming, historical, and geospatial visualization and analysis with machine learning in one platform, so government agencies can make decisions faster when every second counts. Learn how Kinetica is changing the way agencies use data at Kinetica.com.
1: Welcome back to the discussion, active analytics for government and the public sector, sponsored by Connecticut on Federal News Network. My guests today are Nima Negabon, co-founder and chief technical officer at Connecticut, and Jeff Kennedy, federal sales director at Connecticut. I'm your moderator, Scott Maccioni. Um I'm going to bring up the, the elephant in the room here, and that is the coronavirus, something that we've been dealing with for quite a while now. Um you know, a lot of these government agencies are working with data that they need modernized, that there's there's platforms that they want modernized. Um, you know, how is that working together and how can they get better um, visualization and better, um, you know, just any th- graphs, anything that they need right. uh, to look at things like coronavirus?
2: Yeah, I mean, coronavirus is actually a great example of, um, you know, how so- something like, you know, Connecticut can really, um, you know, make that whole analysis experience so much more, much more rich so if you know everyone I think knows like the Johns Hopkins tracker right and um, it's a you know it's a great tool but you know whenever you want to have that you know next double-click where you want to maybe look at a specific region or you want to do a historical analysis um, you know that's that's a great example of how Connecticut can drive that that next level experience because you're not stuck with you know fixed visualizations you're not stuck with you know fixed queries that drive you know specific um, uh, reports that are showing up, you know, statically in a dashboard. It's it's having that ability to double click at the speed of thought, you know, that you can give journalists that. Um, when you when you look at something like coronavirus, having that that flexibility is key. But then when you want to be able to correlate it to other data sets to really like in this particular example, maybe try to understand, you know, the the person to person handoff. If you have data sets that are talking about you know specific entities at specific locations you can start to do analysis and investigation and see you know the the lineage of okay this person i see you know at this incident site here all the other you know potential uh, people that that person may have affected because you have that correlative capability now um you know the, the coronavirus obviously is something that's shifting in real time and you know insights that you you'll need are going to come from that ability to you know, at you know, at the speed of thought, be able to say, hey, well what if we query, you know, this against this other data set and see what insights we're gonna derive, right? Like, you know, if you're looking for you know, predictive capability to to understand, you know, where you know, where you might have, you know, the next cloister of of outbreak, you need to be able to do that exploration at scale easily and not be stuck in, you know, very, you know, rigid you know, a rigid box of you know, results that, you know, that was the original thing that you guys you, you, may, you might have started out with you know original thinking around, okay, here are the first things we're going to pull out and you're not you're not limited to that anymore, right You can easily and flexibly you know correlate across queries, I mean across data streams and have have it not just be you know uh, at scale, but have it be reflective of the data as it as it's coming in and have it reflect you know the, the, the reality of the situation.
1: And, and Jeff, I think, you can maybe give us some examples of how these active analytics are maybe doing exactly what NEMA was just saying um, in more of an emergency-type situation or or ones that are a little less fresh than coronavirus, right? Yeah, but
3: let me touch on the corona and then give you some other examples. So kind of pivoting off of NEMA, so like Johns Hopkins, you have kind of uh, almost a business uh, analytics or BI kind of look at things. So historical data representing it, where you can interact with some of it, and but with Connecticut and what we offer as our converged platform, we can track like entities, so graph analytics, looking at edge points, like what's happening, be able to see things kind of unfold, um, and then provide pretty detailed granularity instead of just trying to interact with the data. Maybe we have you know areas of uh, uh, containment and other things that are happening. We can see real time logistics, and uh, you know to be able to have the right resources, get the supplies to the people that need them. Uh, and one of the partners that we have that is using Connecticut as a core uh, component of their platform is Disaster Technologies. So the last couple of weeks we've been working with a whole bunch of different organizations um, uh, across government and academia uh, for this corona uh, virus and be able to bring in the data sets and have a uh, real intera- interactive dashboards for public as well as the private community and first responders. So they really have the right tools in place to be able to see how is this unfolding? What steps do we have to take? Where do we see risk? And kind of assess that real time.
2: And when you think kind of more broadly to the things, um, you know, the, the challenges in the DOD, especially around, you know, ISR and, and Entity Fusion, right? Where you need to be able to take, you know, data, massive data sets that are growing constantly and be able to derive, okay, well, that's actually this, per, you know, that's this person, or that's this, you know, a, you know, uh, uh, you know, asset that's, you know, in a fleet, right? That's this jet, or that's this truck, right? You know, to be able to do that easily, and then have have that, you know, entity, uh, fuse it across all of the other data sets to pull out other attribution about it. That's what uh, Kineticum, you know, uh, makes uh, so easy, and and that's really something that, you know broadly speaking a lot of the DoD is is trying to trying to uh, trying to solve right because they have these massive global organizations um, where they have their own known entities and they're also dealing with unknown entities and they need to be able to fuse um, you know their all all their data together to you know really identify you know entities that they know about and the ones that they don't know about and make that visible clearly in, in real time um, and, and make that an easy prospect for their For their whole organization to uh, drive value from
1: at at what point do people need to start coming in to this pipeline of of data and building these these sets so you know obviously people are are building the the sets that you're talking about but i'm thinking back to this defense department Mm -hmm. ethics type thing um you know when does a person need to come in even though it's a, a huge amount of data you're working with and say all right i'm i need to check this or we need to just really make sure that this is a terrorist camp we're about to hit and not a mm-hmm. daycare, right? Well, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, well,
2: I mean, yeah. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, ISR and, and entity fusion, right? Um, obviously the validation phase is also data intensive, right? Mm-hmm. And processing intensive, right? So um, all the checks that, you know, it, you know, you have your due diligence teams do, those are all very, you know, intensive processes that they need to do. They need to do historical analysis. They mm-hmm. need to correlate across other data streams. So even in that validation phase, right? So it's not even just about, you know, your, your creative analyst team, you know, getting to an insight as fast as possible. Once they have that, you know, you have your vetting team. For them to vet even is, getting hard, is becoming harder and harder because they need to vet across more data sets. They need to vet across longer timelines, right? And so um, even when you're talking about not just that kind of creative, you know, uh, cycle, but you're talking about your due diligence cycles, that is another pl- place where Kinetic can really uh, provide value.
1: And is, I mean, is that sort of like a new area where you think more people are going to be needed uh, in, in the future, you know, to kind of crunch that data versus, I guess, the, the original data crunching that we're doing but now? It's
2: actually, it's actually all, it's kind of, you know, all the, this, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of similarity in the data sets they're looking at. Like some, mm-hmm. some of it will be the same, some of it will be different. Like you'll have, you know, uh, due diligence teams, you know, do comparisons against, um, you know, the same things that the analyst teams are looking at, but, you know, you'll have uh, labeled sets that are massive in nature. So, as, as you know, ML and AI matures, you know, um, in in government, you know, organizations, the, the amount of labeled data that's out there is going to explode, right? The amount of data that, you know, you know, vetting teams are going to have to a- analyze against and vet against is only going to grow and grow, right? So, you know, we're at the, ver- you know, we're at the Model T stages of, of AI, you know, right. like if you if, if we look back in a hundred years, you know, we're gonna see how just uh, kind of uh, basic our capabilities are now because really the, the, the maturation uh, and the industrialization of AI, you know, in government is just beginning.
1: And, you know, I'm kind of curious because as we were saying in the last segment is, you know, a lot of this data is, um, you know, from so many different sources Mm -hmm. and and not uh, uniform in a lot of Mm -hmm. different ways. Now a lot of agencies have guidance that say, okay, you need to label things. You need Mm -hmm. to make sure that everything is uniform in the way it needs to be. What can that afford these agencies in the future, you know, so the next generation of things that is already set up and labeled and, you know, right. what does that take out of the, the process and also build into it to make it easier and what, what can that create? Yeah, I mean, so
2: like, you know, the, a lot of the battles that, you know, organizations have been fighting is around just, you know, A, getting access to data, you know, B, cataloging it in a, in a standard way so that, you know, um, machines and humans can understand, you know, what each data set actually can, contains, right? and there's been a lot of progress there right and you know making that available inside of an organization and sometimes even cross you know organizations and so all that work is now leading up to you know that this this next phase where you need to derive insight and make that that whole process you know a, a, a real-time uh, workflow right and make that you know easy to um, uh, easy to operate on for, you, for your, your, your different teams. So like, you know, basically we've kind of been building up to this point and there's still more to go on it, getting access to data, you know, making sure it's, it's you know, structured and labeled correctly. But there's, there's been a lot of work done there. And now it's really that, that next phase of, okay, you know, how, do, how are we going to get ROI on this data, this data set, you know, and how are we going to make sure that um, the decisions we're making off of it are reflective of reality, you know, up to the second, not from yesterday or a week ago. Right. Jeff,
1: anything to add on that one?
3: Yeah. I was just <clears throat> thinking through this. As data becomes, we'll call it a little bit cleaner, then um, where we help greatly is the, it further increase the speed of being able to understand the data make decisions. I kind of refer to it as, like, we increase the fidelity of your understanding of your data as you fuse things together. And then we'll power intelligent applications that are, whether they're public facing or inside organizations or across organizations. So. That's kind of the core thing that we see happening, that we can add a lot
1: of value almost instantly to existing architectures and organizations. So we've talked a lot about organizations and and how these systems and and attributes are going to be helping them. What about individual analysts? What are they going to be seeing, and how are are their jobs going to be changing um, compared to these broader just government organizations Mm -hmm. or companies?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the individual analyst, I think, is, you know, right now, Still pretty hamstrung as far as you know. They have ideas of things that they want to investigate and are basically kind of you know stopped at the front door by you know the the limit limitations of of the infrastructure that they have in place, right? So, you know, there's two parts to it. Is there's obviously you know the the security labeling and and you know access controls portion, which you know Connecticut fully supports, and you know having one platform that can support that level of you know security and and you know Uh, data labeling uh, combined with the actual processing capability and making that uh, a really nice experience for an analyst is what you know Kinetica is all about because you know our our whole um, product thesis is really about that kind of creative life cycle and how if you could give someone like an analyst the ability to experiment and have that um, that feedback you know in a a few seconds rather than you know either having to wait waiting it you know a day or two or, or not being able to run that analysis at all, you're going to have, you know, that empowerment where they can just, you know, really focus on, you know, the, a much wider set of uh, possibilities. And so I think, you know, analysts in general, when I've talked to them, they just, you know, a lot of what I hear is, oh, if, if only I could look at look at this, you know, you know, correlated next to this, or if only I could see this on a map, or if only I could go back, you know, two years and compare like this week from, you know, these are the events from the past two weeks from you know, the events 20 years ago. You know, that I hear all the time. And, you know, we're gonna, you know, really be at a phase now where government organizations are gonna say, you know, it's not good enough for analysts to have, you know, just such a limited capability. We need to unlock these guys' potential, right? Because ultimately the insights that they derive feed the organization, feed, the, you know, uh, the government executives to make the right decisions, right? And so um, I think as, you know, the entire organization is understanding how important data is in decisioning, right? The analysts are the, that tip of the spear. And so, you know, Connecticut basically unlocks their uh, ability.
1: Do you think that government agencies are, are worse at handling data than, than private companies at this point? And, and does that work in maybe the favor of private companies when they're trying to handle uh, it? There's in a lot more red tape. Um, yeah. So I mean, like,
2: I, I don't think there's a, I think like, you know, the, the fundamental barrier is around like the access, there's just a, another level of access control requirement, another level of, uh, you know, inter-organizational you know, uh, bureaucracy, to, so to speak, to, to work through that a private company just doesn't have to deal with now you know, on the flip side, government organizations have access to data sets that are, you know, far more interesting than, you know, usually than a private or most private organizations, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I think, you know, you're seeing maturation of platforms like Connecticut that are built to, you know, uh, meet the requirements of a government organization as far as access controls and as far as, you know, making sure that the right people see the the right data Um, and, you know, I think you also have a growing commitment from government organizations to get past you know the barriers of the past, so that they can unlock the value, unlock the insight in the in, in the data they have access to, because you know government executives know that they need to make the right decisions and have the data to point to to say why they made those decisions. So I think you're seeing a growing commitment there, right? And I think. Um, that's the exciting part, um, you know, of the next ten years, and, and, and how uh, you know we're going to be able to uh, help the government uh, with our platform.
1: So it might be a possibility that uh, analysts may be more interested in working in the government if they can see data that's more uh, easier to use or actually, you know. Uh, yeah, I you mean,
2: know. you know, the the in the analyst space, I mean, the, there's there's no like you know more creative opportunity than having access to the data sets that government. A government organization can provide right you know they you know have uh, not just you know the widest variety but the volume right is just it's very hard to find that in in private enterprise right to find that variety and volume so the creative possibilities are really endless it's just they've been so hamstrung in the past about either they don't have access or they can't they can't actually do the processing easily without involving a, a huge development team that is already probably you know, under stress, trying to make their their other you know day to day commitments, right? So, um, that's what Connecticut really unlocks, you know, for government organizations and and their analyst teams. Right. Jeff, anything you want to add about the workforce?
3: Yeah, a little bit. A couple of things. One, we we were talking about providing the analysts or end users with better tools, but a lot, what we see a lot is that go into organizations, they may have you know three, four, seven screens of data coming from different silos of data. And we're involved with you know taking all those feeds, providing really one pane of glass. You can turn layers on and off. You can kind of interrogate data to meet your analyst needs. We're right there in one place versus you know having to look at one screen, okay, I got that. Now let me go to this screen exactly. and, and try to pull that information in. So I mean that's kind of a side benefit, but those are the kind of things that we can solve pretty easily. And with respect to uh, agencies and data and data access. I mean, I mean, I, I absolutely see it's uh, it varies by government agency. Uh, you know how forward thinking they are uh, on on getting the data all correlated or in a place where we can take advantage of it. Uh, but they do see the value. So in the organizations we're working with, they're moving ahead. You know, moving things into the cloud, cleaning the data up so that we can get you know easier access to it. Because uh, we're all about trying to provide you know, time to value as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. It's really key for us. I mean, that's a big differentiator, you know, getting the data in, analyzing it, taking incremental steps to show, like, what the possible is Mm -hmm. and move forward as fast as possible. Especially when you
2: look at kind of, you know, the the new sources of data that are coming online for organizations that are, um, you know, very, uh, very different in the sense of, uh, you know, uh, their scale, so, you know, uh, and their and their latency, so to speak. So you know how, you know the how much time it takes to, to process is actually you know critically important from to derive value from it. So if you look at the IoT space, right, you know government organizations are bringing online huge IoT data feeds of you know assets that they have in the field or assets they have in buildings or you know you name it, right, and that those type of data streams. Um, it's it's critical to be able to do you know complex analysis of them quickly in, and in a real time nature to derive the value because you know if you're trying to do you know prediction of equipment failure it it's, it doesn't matter if the, if the equipment has already failed right so, so like you know to be able to do that analysis easily quickly um, is critically important for some of
1: these new types of data feeds that uh, government organizations are uh, dealing with. Great. Well, we're going to take another break. My guests today are Nima Negabon, the co-founder and chief technical officer at Connecticut, and Jeff Kennedy, federal sales director at Connecticut. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, on the discussion active analytics for government and the public sector, sponsored by Connecticut on Federal News Network.
0: Federal agencies want to harness data to solve meaningful citizen challenges. This requires a new class of data-driven applications for driving actionable insight, whether it be identifying national security threats in real time, modeling complex disaster risks, or enabling dynamic logistics and supply chains. Connecticut Active Analytics running on NVIDIA GPUs combines streaming, historical, and geospatial visualization and analysis with machine learning in one platform, so government agencies can make decisions faster when every second counts. Learn how Kinetica is changing the way agencies use data at kinetica.com.
1: Welcome back to the discussion, Active Analytics for Government and Public Sector, sponsored by Connecticut on Federal News Network. My guests today are Nima Negabon, the co-founder and Chief Technical Officer at Connecticut, and Jeff Kennedy, Federal Sales Director at Connecticut. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni. And Jeff, I wanted to start with you, you know, I wanted to ask a little bit about cybersecurity and threats in, in the digital space. So, we've been talking about all this data mm-hmm. throughout all of this happening. Um, there's going to be a lot of people trying to attack it. So, you know, what are you thinking on, on that side and what's Connecticut doing on that?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, cyber's a big area for us. Uh, we have some customers where we're doing some anomaly detection and interesting things with the data. But, you know, if you take a step back, cyber, the threats are becoming ever more complex, uh, you know, evolving quickly. It is kind of the battleground of the future. Uh, you know, uh, you know, bad actors that are always trying to get into organizations, whether it's the Department of Defense or any of our civilian agencies, or state and local, and the current technologies that are there, I think, are just getting outpaced. So, security has to be a layered approach. You can't do it with one product. We've been getting involved with. We believe that AI is an important element to cyber moving forward. I mean, you're not going to solve it with different products. You're going to solve it with kind of this ability to understand what is going on in your network how is data moving around in your organization, and then uh, be able to recognize those threats real time because it's perishable data. If you miss a, a threat, it, your network can just go down or you know, you're losing PII or whatever it might be. But uh, you know, that's kind of on the detection side. But you know, we see both detection, threat hunting, all of the full, we'll call it portfolio, of what you need to be able to manage with cyber data. We're right in the middle of that with our platform, be able to like have high performance uh, visibility and give you the tools so you can take action against, you know, threats.
1: What about older sensors? You know, is communicating between you know older sensors back into. A um, you know a server or something like that you know does that cause you have to put some sort of add-on to that does that cause any sort of issue um, or you know is it just something that you, you can just plug and play kind of deal?
3: So Nima can answer. I mean, we're an open architecture with you know APIs and connectors. So you know even if there's some odd data source that's you know three decades old you know. It's going to have a way that we can get the data out. We can put it in the right format, we can ingest it, and it becomes part of this, uh, you know, active analytics platform where you can apply the new and latest AI and ML models against that data to gain insights that you couldn't get out of that data before. Yeah, I mean, there's no sensor so, too old or sensor too yeah.
2: strange that we, we, you know, we you can't uh, integrate uh, its output into Connectica for, um, because as Jeff mentioned, we have an open ap- open set of APIs and architecture. Um, and, you know, again, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for your organization to, to leverage the Connecticut platform.
1: So let's talk about, since we've already talked about sensors, let's go one step further, talk about the edge. Um, you know, how is data being collected on the edge? What are you doing on, on edge stuff, you know, right at from the warfighter or, you know, wh- whatever government worker out to back to uh, home base?
3: No, that's a good, good question. So we've been working... I know on the edge computing with uh, you know, some of the automobile manufacturers dealing with autonomous cars, so running Connecticut on a, on a vehicle, being able to collect you know, uh, different types of information, telemetry, others, and making decisions there on the end uh, edge versus trying to have to send data back to do analysis somewhere else. But it's interesting. We, in a number of discussions with war, around warfighters, how do you give them the tools they can carry with them and be able to, you know, continue the fight when things go away, like the internet and connectivity. And so, you know, edge computing to us, we're like purposely built to be able to handle those type of things. And, you know, deploying Kinetica everywhere is kind of our mindset, so at any level.
2: And, you know, um, not to get too technical, but, you know, Kinetica has an ability to run on alternative hardware that is uh, meant for edge and smaller footprint hardware that works best in edge so we can leverage uh, alternative Processors, uh, the GPU, so that you know if you are in a disconnected setting where you can't get to a, a massive cloud data center, right? Um, where you maybe need something on, on a truck or something that you can carry. Um, Kinetica has a tr- tremendous uh, capability and set of offerings, you know, for those scenarios.
1: That's really what the Defense Department is looking for right now, is because they're not positive that they can uh, keep. Uh, you know, things constantly connected, Absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, let's while we're at that, you know, what's the future of Internet of Things? Because that's sort of the next step is you know, you just have that person automatically collecting data because they're they're connected in with whatever they're using. Their boots are connected to the internet or whatever, right? right? right.
2: I mean, um, with five G, you know, really mm. coming online, and um, you know, the the um, Understanding of how you can derive value from IoT type data streams. I think um, there's going to be a tremendous push to um, you know really making uh, an organization you know IoT capable, meaning like having you know every part of uh, an, an asset that's out there have all the necessary equipment um, to be streaming back all the necessary data that you know is possible, right? And so you know if you think about all the problems that that's going to create, right? The the number one is, okay, how do we just even accept, be able to accept the data at scale, right? Make sure that we're collecting it, storing it, right? And then how do we query it, right? So, you know, IoT and cyber are great examples of, you know, this, you know, real challenge as it relates to you've got perishable data flowing in and you need to do complex analysis that um, if you aren't able to do that quickly, the value is is gone, right? And so, Kinetica is, is purpose-built for you know, cyber, for IoT, because of our ability to consume, actually capture the data at scale, and then do that complex analysis quickly so that you can you know, actually derive the value.
1: And Jeff, can you tell us maybe how this is being used now, how you're using uh, IoT in, in you know, any areas in government or, or private sector?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's, we actually have a, a number of use cases, a lot of IoT, uh, specifically when in the government, working with the uh, State Department, on a bunch of IoT, looking at different types of uh, information that's coming out of posts uh, for things like air quality, be able to monitor that and uh, have like you know potentially uh, alerts and risks if there's you know poor air quality. Um, on the Department of Defense, we're getting some you know kind of interesting sensor data and then doing live correlations against that against that data and determining you know,
1: whether there's. Um,
3: you know, something that they should go take a look at.
1: Right. So the Defense Department, one of the things they've been working on the past four or five, six years is bringing in innovative startup-type companies. You are a startup. How has that worked for you uh, in working with the government and working with um, organizations like the Defense Department, the military, things like that?
3: Yeah, let me answer that. So it's interesting. And the DoD is becoming a lot easier to work with. I mean, my, It used to be if I wanted to go and, you know, try to position something like Connecticut, get it into their architecture. I mean, it could take a year or two or longer. Uh, and so, but now there's a bunch of new processes and new innovation, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, whether it's SIBRs or OTAs or other type of activities that make it really easy for organizations like us to engage, prove value, and move forward. So, you know, recently in the past year, we uh, engaged with uh, DIU, the Defense Innovation Unit, and, uh, you know, we went through the competitive process. We were awarded a piece of work. Uh, we're building out some, you know, interesting prototypes for them and the Department of Defense. And it is, uh, we're just kind of amazed. And, and, we, and, and we, you know, things are
1: moving fast, which is really nice to see, yeah. you know. And, and what, is, what does speed do for you? I mean, you don't have to take out a bridge loan, right? But, or something <laughs> like that. Um, you know, tell me a little bit how that helps, especially a small company that's maybe working on a, a quick, uh, you know, or small profit margin. Well, not, not only just speed, but what's interesting is, so if one, we take one project
3: that is, you know, has a specific uh, you know, narrow range to it, let's say, and then we go and get deployed, then that same technology can then now be used across, you know, like potentially the Department of Defense. So that makes it very interesting for a company like Connecticut. instead of solving one problem, we can start to solve you know, tens or hundreds of different problems that are out there.
2: I mean once we're there as a platform and you know we're able to show our value you know in, you know, in those original use cases um, it's really exciting to work with you know the different the different units to explore the art of the possible right like um, you know the cool thing about you know what what uh, government organizations can mm-hmm. do um, it is derived from the, the you know the, the amount of data that they have access to like so you know the technology space For the next several years, is is the the exciting creative things are going to all be sourced from having access to data, right? And so, you know, government organizations have more access to you know more interesting, valuable, high fidelity data streams than you know almost any private organization. So um, it's to Jeff's point: once you get in and are able to show you know development teams, analyst teams, uh, and executive teams the value we can bring in the art of the possible, that's when things get really exciting and, you know, you're able to take on, you know, more and more use cases and and provide additional uh, capability and value.
1: So, uh, what do you think the future is going to be at this point? So, we talked about a lot of bringing in a lot of stuff and we talked about labeling, data, things like that. What are the next two or three years going to be like for for the government and what they need to do and then also the the capabilities that they might be able to evolve?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, you're going to see, you know, a couple kind of mega trends you know actualize you know more government organizations so like number one ai and ml is going to be you know brought in as you know a a part of active day-to-day decisioning right that executive teams will use that um, machine to machine platforms within the government will use you know more across the government not just in specialized areas right so um, that maturation is something that um, is also still happening in private enterprise, so I, you know, I think there there is not an impedance there between government and private. I think both, uh, both, you know, uh, public industry and private are both kind of going through that same cycle where, you know, AI traditionally still has been, you know, a very small segment of decisioning, you know, that's for specific use cases, and that's going to go into, uh, f- from this, you know, thing in the corner to the center of the organization and how they make decisions and. And how fast that they can respond to, to, to problems, and I, I think the other you know huge mega trend is you know organizational organizational deep understanding of, of you know the value of data and how to um, really pull out you know the most um, you know the, the most insight the most value from from the assets that they have right I think now that we've kind of gone through this evolution of hey let's just get access to the data and then hey let's just or- make sure we have it, have it organized and labeled. You know now you're going to have you know teams growing up with you know all all of this at their fingertips, and they're going to be able to you know really um, indoctrinate a, a lot of really best practices on how to get value from data quickly and efficiently, and you know how they can um, you know really help the decisioning of their entire organizations to be more efficient um, and to respond to problems uh, quickly, and, and you know I think. If we're just talking about that two to three year time frame, it's, it's something that um, should should be you know very exciting for everyone, even just as you know citizens, because I think um, we you know we all want everyone making better you know decisions derived from data, and we you know we want people making big decisions to have you know the best insight at their fingertips.
1: Do you think the 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 policies and guidances that the government are putting out now for data and, and for things like AI? Are, are they helping to, to push this forward? You know, Are they doing enough to open up and and format data and things like that the way they need it to be? And Jeff, I'll start with you. <clears throat> I,
3: I think it's evolving. I think they're learning. I mean, one thing that just to also kind of address the <clears throat> future, data's not going to get any smaller, right? is just going to grow and grow and grow. There's not, nobody's going to have less devices. So, you know, I don't even know what the count is, you know, like 50 billion devices. We'll go to 100 billion devices, whatever. It's going to be, you know, uh, Never-ending. Plus, this kind of fits into where maybe whether it's policy or you know privacy or things like that with the data. But customers, citizens, uh, you know, constituents are are kind of have a high-level expectation for delivery of services, right? Amazon, you order and you get something in an hour, right? So I mean, the, the expectations are high. So the expectations on differentiated services from our government is also high. And so they've got the data and we can, you know, basically help them and provide those services. And as data grows over the next few years, these mega trends, I mean, they're in a great position to offer services that, you know, could potentially exceed the private sector.
1: And what about 5G? That's, that's sort of one of the natural steps next. Um, you know, how's that going to work into what you're doing now, work into data, um, and then also security-wise as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, all you know, five G just means you know exponential growth in data, right? So mm-hmm. you know, five G just enables the ability to transport you know more data of the current type that, that we're trans- transferring today, but also you know new data sets, you know, around image streams, audio streams, right? You know, um, more high fidelity uh, data streams that today. It's not practical to think that you know we can stream those into you know a, a data center for analysis. So 5G unlocks all that. So really, it just you know expands that that universe of data even more, and it expands the volume of data and the fidelity of data that you're going to be retrieving, right? So or you know uh, accepting as an organization. So um, as Jeff mentioned, there's not going to you know there's going to be more data tomorrow than there is today, and, and 5G is going to make that you know an an exponential prospect where um, you know, again, people's expectation of what an organization does with data and the service that they ultimately are, are given uh, is, you know, ever increasing. And, you know, there's uh, a lot of possibility that the government, that government organizations can unlock. And, you know, with Connecticut, we make that whole workflow just, you know, that much smoother, that much easier so that they can get to a place where, you know, they're, they're meeting constituent expectation and perhaps exceeding, you know, what can be done in the private sec- in, in the private sector.
1: Is there anything the government can do better to prepare for these these future technologies? Uh, more, you know, kind of ask you a little bit about the guidance and uh, things like that. But um, you know, anything that you see that will help, especially a, a company like yours, a startup company.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, they, I mean they're doing a lot of good things right yeah. now. I mean, I, I feel like I have uh, you know easier access to executives and get into dialogue to help them, whether it's digital transformation or. Being able to take some of their you know data science AI ML models and deploy them and manage them, I mean, but I, it, as long as we're, we're on a good trend, so yeah. as long as they kind of continue that and you know you know have data that's available, uh, you know, break down some of the silos yeah. and and just you know, given those use cases, yeah, I mean, we just have challenges. use cases like whatever the challenges are, and if it involves a lot of data, data that is in many different types and varieties, public and private, perishable data. I mean, those are the type of things that, that yeah. we're built for to
2: solve. I all. think the trend is like certainly like moving in the right direction. Organizations like DIU um, are you know proof positive of that, and like you know their ability to surface challenges in the government, you know, across the whole DoD is you know amazing. And you know, if we continue in the, in the direction that uh, we're seeing, I, you know, I, I think things are only going to improve. You know, so I, I think it's it's all been very positive in the, in the past five years.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Great. Well, I'd like to thank my guests today, Nima Negabon and Jeff Kennedy. Thank you very much. Nima is the co-founder and chief technical officer at Connecticut, and Jeff is the federal sales director at Connecticut. I'm your moderator, Scott Mascioni, and you're listening to Federal News Network. For more on the discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Connecticut.
0: Thank you for listening to the discussion, active analytics for government and public sector, sponsored by Connecticut on Federal News Network.